Stress, anxiety, and depression are skyrocketing among children and teens. And Cook Children's Healthcare System is on a mission to bring these topics into the light. I'm Winnie King. And I'm Dr. Kristen Perch. If you have kiddos in the room, now is the time to put on those headphones. Some of the topics we'll be discussing will not be suited for young ears. This is Raising Joy. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Raising Joy. My name is Winnie King. I am the Senior Vice President, Chief of Communications, Inclusion, Diversity and Equity at Cook Children's. And I have my wonderful, amazing and educated co-host. I'm Dr. Kristen Perch, and I'm a child and adolescent psychiatrist at Cook Children's as well. You know, um, in the news lately, there has been um, a lot of talk about the death of Naomi Judd. And I remember seeing the statement that her daughters had put out and they said that they had lost their mother to mental health, which really raised a question in my mind about it because I know, you know, I've heard a lot about Naomi Naomi Judd um, dealing with treatment-resistant depression. And so I guess now we are now confirming and hearing that she actually did take her own life. And it's so tragic. And I think I I know that she had talked publicly for a long time about depression, but I had not um I had not been aware of that. But I think it's always shocking to see someone who seems to be so successful and at the pinnacle of their career to still struggle with depression. It's a little shocking, I think, for a yeah. lot of people. Yeah. And while Today's episode is really not about depression so much. It is about suicide. And no matter where the beginning is, the result is kind of the same. Um, it is impactful. It is final, um, but it's impactful to the, the families and the friends. And, and everybody kind of leaves with that scratching of the head kind of thing. So um, today may be a little difficult, um, just kind of fair warning, Um we want to start the campaign. We started the, the joy campaign last spring and we started it uh, because of the number of attempts of suicide we saw at Cook Children's. Um, but one of the first people we spoke with is our guest today. And let me introduce our guest. Um, his name is Brad Hunstable. He is a successful entrepreneur here at Fort Worth. He's also a West Point grad, a husband and a dad. Welcome to Raising Joy. Thank you for having me. So we're going to talk about your son, Hayden. Um, I like talking about your you know, children, even if they're not with us, because I think that really helps keep them and their memory still going. Tell us uh, about Hayden. And I love talking about him as well. Um, Hayden, um, we, I have three kids. Mm -hmm. um, he was middle. Um, I have an, a daughter who is 18 now. Um, at the time was 16. Um, Hayden was middle. He was, he was 12 at the time. Um, almost 13. It was four days before his 13th birthday. Um, then I've got a little girl, um, who's, who's 10. Um, now he was eight at the time. Um, so, so he's, he's a middle brother, um, <laughs> between two girls and sandwiched in, sandwiched yeah. <laughs> in, uh, a lot of our family, just, a incredible human being. He loves sports. He was a big soccer player. We're from Alito. He loved football, um, mm -hmm. like everybody. Parents mm -hmm. seems to be in Alito. Um, and, you know, <clears throat> got good grades, you know, super social, funny, um, a leader to, to his friends. 
Um, and you know, just a, a I mean, a normal kid. Um, like to be outside, like to go get dirty, but but also like to go be inside as well. Played video games like like most of that age, of course. Um, a, a game called Fortnite in particular, which we can maybe talk about a little bit. But um, just you know, a loving son and brother and grandson. Mm-hmm. What happened to Hayden? Well, um, it, you know, the pandemic happened. You know caught everybody off guard, um, including us. Um, and you know, there was so much fear and anxiety, Mm -hmm. um, on TV within our home, Mm -hmm. you know, and and this was, uh, um, in early 2020, right. And, um, um, the schools had closed down and all that time frame. Hayden, uh, that Christmas was, uh, December of 2019 had got a new computer monitor Mm -hmm. for, for his Christmas present. And um, it's to play video games. And it was a really nice. One is really excited about it. And one at one some point in, in February, um, he got mad at the game. This game Fortnite. Okay. Anybody who has kids, some these games are very immersive, and they can get kids really mad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, and I used to get mad at my video games back in the day. So Apple didn't fall f- from the tree, but he threw his controller down in anger, and it bounced up and hit the computer monitor. It's an LCD monitor, which mm. which you can break those fairly easily. And uh, broke the monitor and came down and told me, um, I was like, dude, you know, oh, man, you just got that for Christmas. You know, what were you thinking? You can't get mad at video games. You know, mm-hmm. that whole conversation. I said, well, you know, you're going to learn lessons. I'm sorry. You're not getting another one. Mm-hmm. That was the message. And then uh, that was February of 2020. And then the lockdown happens mm-hmm. and then school closings happen mm-hmm. and there was nothing else for him to do. His only connection to his friends was his, was playing video games. the boys, especially at that time. Yeah, it was video games. Mm-hmm. And um, so he begged and pleaded and asked for a new monitor. And I said, well, you're going to work your butt off and do stuff around the house. You can treat your sister a little bit better because I thought they would, those two, kind yeah. of two peas in a pot and go, to go at it. Um, and he did. He held up in the bargain. And so in April, early April, <clears throat> my wife bought um, him a new monitor. Um, not nearly as nice on Amazon, the mm-hmm. cheapo monitor. Mm-hmm. And he was back at it, right? Um, and on April 17th, um, 2020, it was a beautiful day. It was sunny. I'll never forget it. My water well had broke. Uh, we lived a little bit in the country and I called my dad cause he's the smartest guy I knew <laughs> come help me fix it. I hadn't seen him since the pandemic, you know, and we were kind of getting to the point where we were, we felt like it was starting to be counterproductive to our kids, just how they were like, we could see changes. Yeah. And they were subtle, but we could see something changing in yeah. all of them. So we were going to let my oldest daughter have a friend over. Hayden's birthday was in four days and we said, get a birthday party because of the pandemic, but we'll let you have, if a parent will allow it, we'll have one friend over right. and he knew what he was going to get. He was going to get a little con- uh, a video game controller. And, um, him and my dad fixed the well, um, we gave him a job. It was three, four hours, uh, all of us together. Um, I was supposed to go get haircuts, um, later that day cause he was getting shaggy and I was getting shaggy, <laughs> um, at my office. I was going to, I brought a bar, I was gonna bring a barber in and they were going to cut everybody's hair that, that were still working at the, on the manufacturing line at the, at the place. And, um, went inside and, uh, kissed him on the head. Um, you know, I'm, I'll never forget. He was right below me. I put my head down and kissed his hair. Mm-hmm. Tell me he loved him. It was just some kind of just random hug, which mm-hmm. was really neat. Um, I had to take a phone call and went inside, took the phone call. My dad left. He said bye to him and he left and Hayden went upstairs. Um, during that moment, so I took the phone call and I came, um, walking out of the, uh, the office. 
and my uh, eight-year-old daughter came down the stairs and said, hey, didn't hug himself. Um, she saw him. Yeah. And uh, I ran upstairs. I'm like, what? I ran upstairs. Um, <clears throat> I pulled him down. I started administering CPR and all that. And, you know, I was in the military, so I had a little bit of training. Mm-hmm. And um, had her go run and get my cell phone because it was downstairs to call 911. I happened to have a... Uh, uh, AED in the house, mm-hmm. which most people don't, but I, I bought one. And I said, go get that medical device for me in the, in the kitchen. And she, she didn't know what it was, but she did. She brought it to me. And then I sent her outside to go wait for the cops. I wanted to see what was going on. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, we tried. Um, it was awful. Um, I wished it on nobody. Mm. Uh, what I witnessed and saw and experienced, it was uh, truly, truly awful. Um, and, you know, we took in the cooks and, um, you know, they did the best they could, but, you know, it, 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 it had been a little too long. And it was a 30 minute window. It, I, the kicker was, I mean, I was in my office. It was right above my head. Right. So in the, the immediate days after, you know, when something like that happens, oh my gosh, you got to talk to the cops. I mean, you're just out of your mind. You got to talk to CPS. Yeah. And that whole experience was a whole nother topic for discussion. And you go through all that, and you're, as you're just trying to even process what in the world happened. Um, and um, and for the first few days, we actually didn't know, like, where did this come from? Why? Dude, what? You, Why? You, I just was with you. Right. You were happy as can be. Like, right. how, how did, what happened in 30 minutes? Like, what in the world are you doing? Right. And um, he had rudimentary, um, we'll get to graphic of detail, but kind of set up a bunch of toys and stood on it and, and, and did it. And so... Uh, and so we were just, it was awful for those first few days. And then we started kind of piecing some of the puzzle together. My mm-hmm. daughter didn't want to talk about it initially mm-hmm. and we didn't want to press it. Um, but we started, we found out, um, he had broke his monitor again. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, and then that. And rash, he must've gotten scared. Yeah. Rash of emotion, got scared. Didn't want to, he, he broke my TV three years before and, you know, he's, he's 12 and he, he think, probably thought he ruined his birthday because he was going to get a, he can't play my video game. My birthday present was a controller. I just ruined my birthday present. My friend was going to come over. Didn't want to tell me, didn't want to support me, disappoint me. Um, and just, he just, uh, he just made a decision, you know, and I, suicide's complicated. It is. You know, there's never one thing in my experience and I've been doing this for now for two years and, 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 and trying to be a part of the solution as best I can. I've learned so much, but, um, it's usually complicated. And, <clears throat> and in his case, it was, it appears to be impulsive. Mm-hmm. So when you look at youth suicide, about 50% of youth suicide have a previous medical diagnosis about 50 do not 50% do not. Mm-hmm. That's about what the stats are. And, um, when you look at youth suicide, which, which, you know, for 10 to 14 year olds, the second leading cause of death in, in America, which is just mm-hmm. awful. Mm-hmm. Um, about 55% of those are impulsive, meaning they made the decision very rapidly. Maybe in the last hour, about 70%, about 45% within the last five minutes. And what that looks like yeah. typically is girlfriend broke up with me, boyfriend broke up with me. Mm-hmm. I was bullied. Mm-hmm. Um, I broke something, got in a fight with my parents. It's common. Maybe I'm, I'm gay or, 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 or lesbian or bi or something. I'm struggling with that. And so there's some themes around impulsive suicide that, that, right. that, that tend to be there. And then on the other side of the equation on the people that have been diagnosed with the medical issue, you know, it's, 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 it's perhaps even more complicated. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
how do you and your family move forward after something like that? Because you talked about the three or four days leading up afterward. Um, how do you move your daughter? How, how do your wife, you saw, how do you move forward with that? Well, um, we had to learn. <laughs> this was all new to us. There's no, um, there are books about this, but I would argue there's no playbook to grief. Mm -mm. Um, in my experience from our, our own experiences, but what I've also seen from a lot of families since then is that first few days, you're just, you're numb, you're, you're, numb. you're in a fog. I mean, you don't know up, down, left, right. You don't know nothing. You're just trying to just even just keep it together. Um, and you know, grief has phases like you know, they hear and they, there really are phases, you know, anger and guilt and, and, um, uh, you know, acceptance at the end, you know, there's, there's all these different stages. I don't even know what they all are, but they're, and, they, and it comes in waves. Mm -hmm. Um, I've learned everyone grieves differently. Mm -hmm. Everyone grieves at different paces. Um, <clears throat> and, and I'm convinced it never leaves you. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's not something that goes away. It's just, you, you get better riding the waves. Maybe it's probably a nice analogy. Um, and you still sometimes get smacked by the waves, you know? So what we did, so two days after we buried Hayden, which we couldn't even have a real funeral because of COVID, it was a drive-by, which was cool. I mean, I pretty, a lot of people drove by. We couldn't even touch and hug and hug them. We're just waving at them with signs, which, which that was still beautiful, but you know, it was a bummer. But, um, so we buried him and I got up on a, I think it was like a Sunday morning and there were starting to be some rumors about what happened in my town. And there were just people were talking about, it. I felt like I might, might need to post something on Facebook to my friends and to the town just so they can kind of hear the story. And I sat down, I didn't even have shoes on. You can't tell it in the, in the, in the video, but I pulled up my Facebook phone, my phone on Facebook and, and I had a cup of coffee. I don't know where these words came from, but I, and the first thing I said, I said, COVID killed my son, but not in the way you think. Hmm. And I just started talking about what happened and I talked about what I saw and I was already seeing it and was already working on some things of this, this wave of, of mental health issues that were starting to rise mm -hmm. in yep. youth, which has been going on for a long time. And right. I, and I kind of just went on this long kind of, you know, speech, if you will, just telling what happened, the story. Well, it, it went viral. Um, and like 150 million people saw the video. Wow. Wow. Yeah, in the early days of the pandemic, I was getting recognized at Walmart all over the country. Oh it was kind gosh. of wild. And so, you know, I thought to myself, I was like, well, um, and then two days later, my buddy from West Point took his life. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, since then, four have, uh, which is which is awful. But so I thought to myself, and, you know, I want to be a part of the solution. I feel like we need to talk about this. And in, in that video, I said, conversations matter. You know, I don't know. I just said it. And so, <clears throat> oddly enough, um, I got a call from Evander Holyfield, mm. and, uh, which is kind of cool. And I said, Brad, I want you to know you get the four-time heavyweight champion of the world in, in Hayden's Corner. Wow. And that stuck in my head. And wow. so we, I did this little thing called Hayden's Corner, and we just started trying to – I went on a mission to understand. I talked to every professional I can find, every expert in suicide, mental health, every organization, all the way up to Congress. Mm -hmm. um, and um, – Local, state, national, you know, everything. And the, um, and, and so for, for me, um, and, and, and I get to admit I'm not a normal person, I guess in some respects, um, just being a, being a part there speaking about it has been very good for my healing. Um, we made a movie called Almost 13. 
a short film. Uh, we put our heart and soul into it. We released it uh, last year, December twenty, yeah. yeah, December or November twenty twenty one, something like that. And uh, really had three goals with the film. Um, one was to tell Hayden's story, you know, honor Hayden. Yeah. Um, two was um, we felt like we needed to shock parents a little bit. Look, I'm no expert on what the rights and wrongs and all this stuff. We were just me and a group of another film studio that lived in the friends of mine just we just started doing something um and the, but our intuition was parents can't fathom that their kid would do this especially on the impulsive side that's what right. like i mean if you can see it coming maybe you know you need to get your kid help but how do you help you know a kid boyfriend breaks up with them they take it they make a decision right, right. and so we, so we had <clears throat> so we wanted my nine one one call a part of it's in the film oh my gosh so it's um and I can, you know, and I, I, I can hear it now and I've gotten over that, but it was, it was tough making going through all that and seeing that every day. But the third goal, which was actually the most important was we worked with a lady named Dr. Melinda Moore who's an expert in suicide. And we, um, we wanted to talk about how do you have that conversation with the kids, with your child? Cause it's a very, I still, even with my own kids, having been to this still is uncomfortable. It's a very uncomfortable conversation. Um, and so we, we talked about that in the film, how to safely do that and why you need to do that. Um, and, it, and to me, it's the, the first step, even if your kid has never said it, mm-hmm. um, it's the first step in making sure your kid, you know, doesn't do it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what a, I, I guess I, I really do relate to you because I heal by doing as well. And so I really do understand. And I just, I'm always so inspired, but that doesn't even really like that's not even the right word, but I just, it's, I don't know. It's just so inspirational that someone would live a parent's absolute worst nightmare and then try to help other people avoid that same thing. And I just, I appreciate your willingness to be open and and I'm sure it's not easy to talk about, but I'm so glad you're having these conversations Mm -hmm. because I don't think, I think it's especially hard for men to talk about these kinds of things Mm -hmm. and dads. And, um, you know, especially, you know, being a West Point grad, you know, you um, probably have a lot of experience or or know a lot of people who have mental health struggles like with PTSD and things like that. But I just appreciate your willingness to be open and talk about what's going on. Kristen, you've talked about uh, in other podcast episodes about the frontal lobe. Yes. And the fact that that is not developed, which causes that that could, 100% that impulse. Right. And I, I think that that is part of, um, cause I guess what we, what we do know about like the suicides, it, you're absolutely right that it, um, younger kids tend to be more impulsive, um, older teenagers. A lot of times they have more of a plan. There's a note, um, they've thought it out, but it's the younger kids. And like when he was saying is that their frontal lobe isn't developed. And so, like literally their brain cannot think past here and now. So what is going on right now and how bad things are like COVID. Um, I, you know, I broke my, my screen monitor. I'm never going to have, I'm not going to get it back. And I ruined my birthday, like all of that. It, it sounds trivial to us, but that's a kid's entire world, especially in the middle of the pandemic. And so it's hard for us to really wrap our brain brains around it but we have a fully developed frontal lobe he didn't he just saw this you know this is like he's what what's happening right this minute is never going to get better and it's brain development you know what i like to tell people um 
the analogy I give, I mean, you're 100% right. And I'm not, you know, I'm not a doctor, but the prefrontal cortex is not fully developed until you're like 24, 25. Mm-hmm. Mine might not even be fully developed. You know, it's, not, <laughs> it's later in males. It, yeah. So it, it is later in males. Um, and when that amygdala kicks in and you do the, uh, you go into fight or flight, um, you know, the, 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 you, you almost black out. It's, you don't black out. But the, but the analogy I like to tell people is like, imagine you're in a conversation with your spouse. And uh, she says something to you and you go, man, what? Don't what? I did it already. Mm-hmm. And then you go, why don't I act like that? that yeah. It's this instantaneous sort of um, thing. And, and, I, and it's like a blacking out in a sense. Um, and, and we think that's definitely what happened and, and, or definitely part of it. The, the other thing that's in, um, and look, I was almost so, and I haven't talked about this yet publicly, but I will today. Um, I, I, th- increasingly believe um, that the data will, will support this, supporting this, that the world has changed a lot since mm-hmm. 2008, 2006, 2007. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you look back what those changes were, it was the introduction of, of the Xbox, it was the introduction of the iPhone, it was the ex- introduction mm-hmm. of social media, it's the introduction of you know, t- TikToks and all these sort of things. Um, and what we know increasingly is these systems cause um, spikes in dopamine. Mm-hmm. Dopamine is the chemical in the brain that is, uh, a lot of people, it's a pleasure chemical. It's not, it's, it's more of the, your motivation chemical. Mm-hmm. Um, and spikes in dopamine, so imagine you're looking at TikTok, which is like these little short, you know, yes. seven yeah. second I know videos. it well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, what's happening neurochemically, neurochemically in your brain when you're watching TikTok is you're you're getting a, a spike in dopamine. You go to the next video and you get another spike in dopamine. You get the next one. It's like bam, 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 bam. Yeah, yeah. The problem with that is spikes in dopamine, we know, decrease what's called your baseline dopamine level, which is kind of like your average dopamine. Um, think of it like it drains down. And it's actually kind of hard to get it to raise, but it takes time for it to raise back up. And when in youth in particular, when dopamine is lowered in the brain through not something like physiologically wrong with them, but, but this, uh, set of behaviors and actions that they're taking, and by the way, music and spike dopamine, there's all sorts yeah, of things right? that can do that. But, but, re, but this particular class of things that changed in, in, in that time frame, um, changed the dopamine patterns in our youth, I, I believe. And I think the data is increasingly supporting this. And by the way, in adults too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and when dopamine, average dopamine, or excuse me, baseline dopamine levels lower in kids in particular, what that looks like is depression, anxiety, yeah. and ADHD. Yeah. So it's not they don't necessarily they 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 have those they have the manifestation of those things, but it's not something like physiologically wrong with their brain structure or their or their normal body composition. It's bad habits. Mm-hmm. And, and look, Hayden was playing video games. I mean, maybe too much during the pandemic. I don't know. Um, staying up because we, I mean, think back. Mm-hmm. The mistakes we made, yeah. I think, we didn't have the conversation with Hayden directly about suicide. We never did. Um, and every parent needs to have that conversation. Please watch Almost 13. We will guide you how to safely do that. A lot of parents are then sitting down and watching it with their kids afterwards and having it be a conversation starter. And I can tell you some stories that will blow your mind of how that has impacted and saved kids already. So we, so we want to talk about that, but, but, but two, um, you, you, we, we, we've got to think about, um, the right balance for some of these new things that have entered our lives. There's a massive sociological experiment happening across the globe that 
the effects we don't understand yet, and they will only manifest itself over the next decades. And I'm not sure they're all good. Yeah. Um, combine that with the fear of COVID um, and a, 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 a trigger, in his case, breaking them, you know, and you, you get tragic. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it's important, though, to have that conversation, what you were saying about video games, because I know in my patients, if I talk to a most teenagers, 12 to 17, what are you going to do this summer? Well, I'm going to play on my Oculus and I'm going and, and I'm like, Hey, you get a break from school. That sounds great. I was like, but we, you got to kind of keep it balanced. Like you actually need some in-person human interaction. You need sunshine. You need exercise. Like those are the things that we know that balance those things out. But I agree with you that I and think it's, it's smart, hard, but it's hard. Cause then it's like, when you pull it away, then yeah. they react very negatively. Yes. But you know what, when you pull it away, what they're reacting like, and addicts. addicts. Yes. They do. Um, and they so do. Yes. And we also know now when you look at the, when they do MRI scans on, on, on during these sort of situations, um, it, the neurochemistry looks very similar to crack cocaine. It does. Um, and that's scary. And all the, these companies um, have people on staff that are trained psychologists or, or um, the algorithms, which our kids don't stand a chance against the algorithms to get engagement, I'm putting air quotes up, engagement. Mm -hmm. You know what engagement means? Yeah. We gave you a dopamine hit. Yeah. Um, I, and I guess what I had talked about publicly, yeah, you know, I had a 82 page filing. I was going to sue Fortnite and all these guys. Not that I wanted money, but I, just, I, I knew they're not doing enough and I wanted policy change. Um, ultimately on the very last day, we just hit the two year mark, you know, the, the, which had a two year statute of limitations. I decided not to, I just didn't want to put my family, just, we just didn't have it. In. Mm -hmm. it was, yeah. Um, but something must change. And what's, and I'm not anti video games. There's beauty, there's yeah. light and dark to everything. everything. Right. Yeah. And so what's that right balance? I don't know the answer to that, but I, I think we're, we haven't found it yet as my sense. I agree with you on that 100%. I had a son, my, I have a son and, and when he was younger, um, war, it was Warcraft world, world, world of war. war. Yeah. World of Warcraft. Wow. Wow. That's that. The devil. I've said it before. I've said it again. He was addicted. He was absolutely addicted. And you're right. When you take it away, that response was vicious. It was, how dare you? Um, but sweet pea, we need to do something different because this is not working for mama. Yeah. This is not working for me. They, but, you know. They've done the scans of um, kids that have been, you know, have, have, Video game addiction is now actually a real classification, yeah. right? But, but they've done these scans of these kids who, who even not even addicted in that sense, just played a lot. Um, and what they have found, which is wild to me, it takes weeks, maybe a month, for brain neurochemistry to return to its back, back to its baseline. Um, and and that's why I, I mean, my daughters go to summer camp where they have to, they can't take a phone for a week. They hate, they, you know, even yeah, when I yeah. set my phone down, I'm kind of like, uh, you know, yeah, I, I yeah. need my phone, I need my phone. But they break that addiction. You see this yep. glowing kid when they come back from this because they haven't been around, part, partially because they haven't been around these games. Right? Yeah, so. yeah, it's really different. Um, I, and I, don't, I, I know you said earlier that, you know, there was not a whole lot that was off the table. But when you were talking about grieving and the different pace at grieving, you grieved differently and at a different pace than your wife. How does that, because I, I just know that that hurts, harms. How did that um, impact your marriage? And, and how does that, how do you guys handle that? 
Yeah, it is so hard. Um, the fundamental problem is how do you heal yourself while you're trying to take care of other people and help them heal as well? Mm-hmm. It's very difficult to do. Um, in, in, in our case, you know, we're at different speeds. Um, she's not one to come and talk about these things. That's just, she's just different personality. It's not her thing. Um, so that's, that's caused a lot of challenges, um, without a doubt. Um, and the only thing I I can say is once you know that, if you know that piece of information, that allows you to sort of take a step back and, and hopefully, um, again, control that amygdala in your brain and, and, and hopefully show a tremendous amount of grace. And I'm not sitting here saying I've been perfect at it by any means. Um, but when someone has their moment or reaction, or which might be different than your reaction, um, you know, or they're more they're mean to you in a sense, or I mean to hurt or something, it's, you know, hurt people, hurting, hurting yeah, people, hurt people, right? And so they're just hurting. And so when you, when you, uh, so you, you got to start with that knowledge and that, 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 that incredible amount of empathy. Yeah. Um, uh, otherwise it's a very bad thing. And then the other thing I tell people with grief, what I found, I talked to, cause when Hayden died in April, uh, the video went viral and then people would I'd reach out to me in June of kids who killed themselves and in July. And then there's like, they're like classes and just, it just keeps going. And so I try to talk to as many families as I can for a Facebook group and all of this. And, because um, someone, because part of what was powerful is that I had a guy named Jason Reed call me who made a movie as well. I didn't know him from Adam about a week after. And he said, Hey man, I'm, I'm here to talk to you. And he's very celebrity CEO and all this sort of stuff. And, um, and, but that knowing someone else had been through it. Yeah. That hmm. was so, I'm like, wow, you, you, and you're okay. You're yeah. three years down the road and you're, you're, you're yeah. still normal. And yeah. you're like, and here's the pros. Here's the, not pros, but here's, here's what's the realities. And here's kind of some, some hope. So <clears throat> finding people like that, groups yeah. are key. Um, and, and, and again, for me, I've gotten a tremendous amount of healing. Um, it's sort of like um, when I talk about it so much, uh, you know, I, it desensitizes it a little bit. Um, and I'm able to, I've gotten to a point of very blessed where almost every aspect of it is something I can view from an outside frame of reference. Right. I mean, even to the point, so this will sound bad, but this is actually a, a, a good place to be is where I can say it is what it is. Um, and, and my son lived too. Yes. You know, we lose sight of that. I mean, yes, he, he yes. To, to, if I could choose between 12 great years with Hayden yes. or zero choice is easy. Yeah. Choice yeah. is the easiest yeah. thing in the world. You know, I, uh, I've been on a lot of retreats, um, like spiritual retreats and meditation retreats and yeah. I had this one weird moment and people think I'm crazy, but that's okay. It's a mystical moment where <clears throat> something happens, like vivid dream or doing all this breath work and stuff. And um, Hayden appeared to me in a ball of light. It was so beautiful. And um, long story short, I don't get too much of the details, but he said to me, weird telepathic thing. You don't get too spiritual. It was wild. He said, dad, I want you to remember this. Actually, the first thing he said, he goes, dad, why are you crying? And I said, cause I lost you, buddy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And he, and he said, <laughs> I'm with God. Um, you know, to cry for me is to cry for God. It doesn't make any sense because I'm okay. I'm a perfect love. You're, you're not okay, but I'm okay. So don't yeah. worry about me. Yeah. And then he said this, and this is the key point that, that I, I found. There's not a religious discussion, but I, I, there's some, we, we don't understand this reality completely. I believe. And yeah. he said, dad, there is beauty in life. 
and there is beauty in death. It's a matter of how you look at it. And his story, I'm going to get teared up now. Man, that kid has saved people. Um, and, I, and I get the messages that, that, that prove it. Um, and there's beauty in that, yeah. right? Um, and so, I mean, even not, you know, not to get religious, but you look at the, the crucifixion of Jesus because we're just at Easter. It was awful, horrific, yeah. horrible thing. Yes. But from a different perspective, three days later, it may yeah. be one of the most incredible things that ever happened in this world. Yeah. So, it, it that I try to keep that in mind um, because there there's beauty in it all. You just have to you have to see, it, and that's tough. But during grief, but you'll get there. And when I tell parents, and I've been very fortunate to be at this. One day, when you look at the picture of your son or daughter, and the tears flow, know that one day it'll turn to a smile. Yeah. 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 How, um, I, you've talked about your daughters, how do you support them? Like how I can only imagine how hard, I, I just know how hard it is to see my kids have a hard time and they haven't dealt with this level of grief. And so how do you, if, when you're grieving, how do you help your kiddos? Yeah, this one's tough too. I mean, again, how do you help someone else when you're just trying to help your, you? Yeah. Right. Um, it's hard. Um, we, uh, we got them in counseling. I mean, there's conversations that matter. Counseling works. I think everybody should go to counseling. I still go yes. to counseling. And I talk, I check Hello. in on Facebook. And I Hello. publicly say I go to counseling. <laughs> Hello. I'm Hello. Like, yes. You better be yes. glad I'm going. Yeah. Conversations <laughs> matter, man. And, and yes. it was funny about counseling. A lot of times it's just you talking. Yes. You know, yes. a good counselor listens. Yes. And, yes. You, and there's something inside our inside us that we, we can work it out. Yes. We just need someone to love and listen first. Right. Yes. And so, um, they're, they do that um, for a period of time. We've stopped now, but about a year, they went to the warm place in Fort yep. Worth, which oh, is a yes. great organization, right? Where um, kids who have gone through grief can uh, be around other kids who have gone through grief. Yeah. I'm not alone. Yeah. Right? That, that whole thing, which is really cool. Um, and then with youth, what I've learned, you know, my oldest daughter was very, is very motherly. They were very close. Um, she struggled for a while. Mm -hmm. um, she decided uh, that school year to not go back to school and do stay at home in some ways i think that might have been a problem um because now you're in your room by yourself thinking 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 and i'm not sure that that's too good um so she should have struggled that being said she went back for her senior year in person she's, she seems she's going to go to mary Hart and baylor um she seems like she's thriving um she also did not see what my youngest daughter saw yeah, yeah. and there what we know about trauma in youth is there's this there's there's different things can start happening as they actually age and so in the immediate aftermath of Hayden's death we told her he went to heaven mm -hmm. and she was eight she goes oh wow okay mm -hmm. and she ran back mm -hmm. off and play right so mm -hmm. so there's there's a false sense of hope that you know um well maybe she's gonna be cool and okay with it you know well in a kid at around eight years old when they experience deep trauma like that um, as they age and become a little bit more intelligent, they start understanding the gravity of the situation. Like, yeah. oh, this was a big deal, you know? Um, and they can do what's called regrieving. Mm. And what that means is, and I'll give you an example. One day I went to, she came into the bedroom and said, dad, 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 I need you to go check on Addie, which is my oldest. Go check on Addie. And I'm like, why? You need to go check on her. I'm like, okay. And I thought she might've been playing a joke on me. So I'm walking to my daughter's room, oldest daughter, and open up the door, which was you know, always kind of scares me now, but I'll open up the door and I 
I go, are you okay? And she goes, yeah, why? I'm doing homework. I go, uh, Kimberly said to check on you. She goes, no, I'm fine. I'm like, okay. So I turn around and look at the hallway. My daughter's off to the distance and she's waving at me like, come here, dad, come here, come here, come here. And I can see she's visibly shaking and has tears in her eyes. Oh, God. She said, I thought she might, she might be doing what Hayden did. Um, so she's the one I worry about the most. Um, trauma can trigger things like OCD behavior. Yeah. She's starting to experience some of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're going to help professional help. We're going to work through it. Good news is she's young enough. Um, but, um, a lot of OCD, a lot of these, I mean, a lot of mental health is just because of trauma. It's for real. Yes. It's I mean, real. it's the, the fundamental thing. Yeah, it's real. And so, um, grief is one thing. Yeah. Um, Dealing with the mental health aspect for the rest of your life is a slightly different thing, I think. Absolutely. Um, so I don't know. We're still, we're in year two. We're still, it's still, it it's still early. And we have resources. What's so breaks my heart is, yeah. you know, they looked at the 2020 data, which is the latest data we have on suicide. And yeah. um, there was a guy, and I, I won't mention his name, he wrote a big article. See, I told you guys. So you, su or suicides overall didn't go up in 2020, which a lot of people thought they might. Overall, mm -hmm. well, and he was so proud of himself, got a big New York Times article and how smart he was and all this, which okay. But that's not the full story, dude. And 10 to 14 year old boys, they did go up. Yeah. In disadvantaged communities and minorities, it did, go, did up. go up. So why don't we want, yeah. that's not, that's not an accurate And portrayal. the attempts, and the attempts. I right. mean, from our hospital alone, what we saw, the attempts went up dramatically. And usually girls are attempt more. Yes. Um, yep. Boys are tend to be more lethal. Yes. Um, for every one attempt, there's usually 20. I mean, for every one successful, there's 20 attempts. Mm -hmm. That's like the stat. I think something like that. Yep. Um, and it's just shocking. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you one last, I think I'm talking too much, but you're, just, you're, you're doing done. great. No, no, um, thank you. I got a message from in, in some of these, the ones that, that, that made it, we're talking about a real thin line when yeah. it's going to go yes. in direction. Yeah. I got a, a letter after my video went viral from a guy I didn't know him in California. And he said, Brad, hey, I want you to know, first off, sorry for your loss and my condolences and all that. Um, but I want you to know because of your video, I decided to sit down and talk to my 16-year-old daughter. <laughs> she told me she's been cutting herself and has and had attempted suicide. And I had no idea when she was depressed. Um, but because of you, now we're talking. I'm getting her help. So thank you so much for what you did and taking your tragedy. Um, because now, now we're, we're, we're in a better place. And I said, man, the great, that's fantastic. You know, that's I was it. very happy about that. He writes me a couple months later. Um, and he says, Brad, I got to tell you something. My daughter tried to kill herself. Yeah. She's in the hospital. Um, she's in a full coma, a full organ failure. She's in the ICU. She's unconscious for the last four days. I don't think she's going to make it. And I just was like, Oh my God. Um, so I prayed to God and prayed to heaven, prayed to my son, to go talk to somebody up there, which it's easy, you know, go, go, go snag on somebody. And the beauty of it is through, through whatever, the miracle of modern medicine, she made it physically full recovery. She got a long road ahead. The amazing part about that story was what happened a month later. He called me and he said, Brad, I want to tell you, um, thank you for saving my daughter's life. And I said, I mean, that's very kind of you. Um, I appreciate that. But I mean, I didn't save your daughter's yeah, life. Yeah. He said, no, this is what I didn't tell you. 
my daughter came down the stairs at the last minute and said, Daddy, I did something wrong. She'd taken a bunch of pills and went into a seizure right in front of him. Uh, had I been not having those conversations with her, she, I would have found her in a room dead. And so, the, 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 and you can watch the Almost 13. We'll talk a little bit more about how to have that conversation. But the reason you want to do that is even if they may not act like they're hearing you, mm-hmm. hopefully what you're doing is you're creating, because you role play through this process, you're creating some neural connections so that when that fight or flight moment happens, there's maybe a beacon of light that they can follow, even if it's the last minute. Mm-hmm. Another another example that a boy a lady called me and said, Hey, Brad, I saw your video. So sorry. Same thing. My son came down the stairs. He's a jokester. His team was, he was 12. Um, always telling jokes. He said, mom, I took 40 Tylenol pills and he had a little smirk on his face, like a little smirk smile. And she said, man, what do you do? You can't joke like that. Don't joke like that. It's not even funny. <laughs> and she remembered my video. She said, I called 911. I was embarrassed to call 911 because I thought he was joking. By the time the guy that the hospital, he was unconscious. He had swallowed 60 pills. Oh my God. Wow. Save his life. But you're right. Conversations matter. Like you're absolutely right. And you're dead on, on the neuroscience of creating those neural pathways, because like you're saying, whenever the amygdala fires and you're in fight or flight, you're not thinking logically at all. Like your body is reacting the same as if a tiger just appeared ahead of you. And, you know, the tiger in real life is, you know, something that's totally fixable, but it's hard to see whenever you're not thinking logically, but you're absolutely right. Lay that groundwork, plant those seeds, Mm-hmm. Open the door, like have the conversation, even if it's uncomfortable. Yeah. And I'll forget to mention this earlier on, in terms of grief too, for anybody, I mean, look, people say it's so horrible that you lost your kid. I can't even, that's the worst kind of pain. You know, maybe there's something to that. I, I don't know. Um, but pain is pain. Mental health, suffering is suffering. No, no. First of all, no one wants to die. No. The data is clear. No one wants to die. They want to escape pain. Yeah. Yep. Um, and actually, if you talk to survivors, many of them, and I've talked to many, a guy who jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge, I mean, Kevin Hines, become a good friend of mine and survived. He said, the second I let go, I didn't want to die. <laughs> but if you do it, you get that. I mean, there's situations you get yourself into where there's no turning back. Right. I mean, there's no, you can't put the bullet back in the gun, to, you know, to use the phrase. Um, and then, you know, uh, for Eric to mention, I think, but, but if you go through trauma or grief, it doesn't mean what your parent dies. It doesn't matter. Pain is pain, suffering is suffering. It's all, it's all the human condition of, of, of pain. But one thing that helps a lot, I found, is just really good foundational habits. A lot of p- people in our situation, I've, I've noticed, go straight down the Xanax route or the opioids, or they drink mm-hmm. themselves to death, mm-hmm. or you know, you know, all these bad decisions, right? Mm-hmm. And it just makes it worse, um, you know. And so, good foundation. What does that look like? Well, you know, work out, get sunlight, you know, eat right, all the obvious ones like that. But my day starts at 4.30 in the morning. I get up, uh, drink a cup of coffee. I do what's called Wim Hof breathing. Um, it's natural. It's, it's a breathing technique that sort of hyper-oxygenates your blood and your, and your body and helps you kind of uh, control the um, what's it, the autonomic nervous system and, and you get just good at controlling things. Um, and it's, it's great for mental health. Um, it's good for your blood pressure too, by mm-hmm. the way. Mm-hmm. There's things like cold showers that work. We know cold showers are one of the few ways we know for a fact, and they're, they're, I hate them, but I do it every morning. Increases your baseline dopamine levels. Um, of course, eating right, gut health, and all, all of those things. But, but good prayer meditation, you know, um, 
good habits allow you to actually create all those other things. Um, there's a phrase called reciprocal narrowing um, of options. It leads you down the sort of the wrong path of just more pain. Yeah. And it's just numb. It doesn't, it doesn't, like you're saying, like it doesn't fix, it doesn't heal anything. You just, it just kicks the can further down the road mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and creates more health problems and things like that for a lot of people. Right. Thank you so much for being here today. This has been just eye-opening. Um, probably could have gone another 20 minutes, but we'll have you back and you can tell us more about how we can honor. I do want to ask you that. How can we honor Hayden? You know, um, Hayden first died because I, I had a previous company. It's actually called Ustream. We did live streaming, things like this. I sold it. Um, you know, so I was always, I did a lot of TV, did a lot of press back in the day. And so I kind of know that world. And so my first instinct was go shout to the world. And there's an element where I knew, I'm glad I did. I was on the front page of New York Times. We had People Magazine, four page spreads. I was on TV. I was on every major TV in the in the world, mm -hmm. every outlet, mm -hmm. you know, screen for the rooftop, if you will, just kind of warning parents. And, you know, that's, that's great. But that also, you can never get to infinity of that conversation to get to everybody that you got to get to. And so I've been thinking a lot, um, you know, the, the, the way we honor my son, I think is the reverse of that. It's one-on-one -on -one conversations mm -hmm. with people um, that are hurting. It's a beautiful book called the instruments of the Holy Redeemer. And they talk about the counseling process that actually works and it's love somebody first, mm -hmm. listen, then speak and then act. And, you know, conversations matter. The way we solve this, everybody can be at least a first level counselor to somebody. And you don't have to do it. You don't have to have all the science. You don't have to do, you know, you know, all the techniques, you know, you cognitive behavioral therapy and MRD expert or nothing. You know what you do? You love somebody. I just, I love you mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. unconditionally. Mm -hmm. And you listen. And, and that conversation, I think, would solve a lot of problems in this world of people acting more like that. And it's hard in this fast paced capitalistic iPhone yeah. society. Yeah. We're missing that. Yeah. We miss the connection. We do. Absolutely. Again, thank you so much for being here. We are in awe of your strength and, um, and what you bring to the table and how you have tried to be part of the solution. We wish you and your family well, really do. And if you'd like to learn more, you can follow Hayden's Corner on social media. Visit HaydensCorner.org. And if you or anyone you know who's struggling with suicidal thoughts, please call the Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255 or text HOME to 741-741. And remember, just breathe. Open up. You matter. matter.